Welcome to Fireside Nets, episode 175. We're your hosts. I'm Spen. He's Pete. This is the number one podcast for all Brooklyn Nets news, reactions, opinions. Number one, as Pete holds it up for everyone watching on our YouTube to see or Twitter. And for all those listening, don't even look at the numbers. Just know that we are numero uno. Unlike our Brooklyn Nets, who are not number one in any situation right now uh tough week for our brooklyn nets one and two on the week we're really going to dive into the last two games losses against the sixers in the heat we'll talk about that win over the magic a little bit but it happened so long ago i feel like pete is like three years older since that magic game i've yep. grown a beard shaved it off regrew it so we don't have to talk too much about a dominating performance against a team that the nets should beat Pete, how goes it, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, I'm I'm going through a, a a little cycle of getting a writer's block, I guess you could say. Had some stuff with the family taking uh, needed to be taken care of right before Thanksgiving, but uh, I'm good. I'm I'm ready for the holidays to start. Let's I go. think it gets pretty gets pretty crazy around this time, right? You know, where are you going for Thanksgiving? Who's bringing what? Who's got drama with who? Who's bringing the turkey? Who's making the stuffing? I, uh, my brother conned me into a ride. Shout out to uh, my brother, Nick, former co-host of Fireside Nets. I had a business meeting in the city today. It was, it was downtown in Soho. My brother who lives uptown, uh, texted me. He goes, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I actually have a meeting in the city. He goes, great. You can give me a ride home. So I had to, had to pick his ass up because I, I can't, you know, say no to my little brother. It's, it's a problem I've, I've had my entire life, especially when he wants me to take the fall for him. <laughs> but uh let's let's get into it pete so first game we'll talk about sunday weird start time a 3 p.m start time and that was uh in brooklyn against the 76ers we lose this game 121 to 99 it just seemed like the sixers took control in that second quarter and then never really looked back uh and was dominant in this one 32 points he was 11 of 24 from the field, but he went to the line 10 times. He was 9 of 10. He had 10 re- I'm sorry, 12 rebounds. He was one assist away from a triple-double. So this is why the Sixers can be so dangerous without James Harding. If you have your center, Embiid, who is known for being a scorer, one of the best, probably if not the best scorer in the low post in the league, if he's going to get you nine assists, Pete, that's, that's pretty fucking hard to stop. Oh yeah, you know, like th- th- there's no one that you could really kind of counteract him with. You got Claxton, but even then, that's that that's an issue. It's always going to be an issue with Embiid. Uh, who else did well? I think Maxi put up a great game. He had 25 points, shot eight of 20, six of 11 from three. Molten creamed our ass, shooting eight of 10, uh, four of six from three. And uh, man, you talked about the second quarter, and I'm going to get to the net stat and stats in a minute, but. The Sixers closed the second quarter on a 23 to 7 run, 15 straight points in a span of three minutes. That it turned a three point deficit to a 12 point Sixers lead. And that was, I feel like that was sort of the game. 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Here, here's what I've kind of come to grips with, and I think that all Nets fans need to, you know, turn their volume up, volume up, listen to what I have to say right now. So far, we've had losses, two against the Heat, one against the Bucks, now one against the Sixers, and then one against the Heat the other night. But realistically, the top three teams in, in the East, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics, have all had their way with us. If they are playing good, and we are playing good, those three teams can get to a level with their talent that right now, with our injuries, we just can't get to. Okay? Embiid and Maxi did what they're supposed to do. Maxi had 25 points, like you mentioned, 8 of 20 from the field, 6 of 11 from 3, 10 assists for Tyrese Maxey. They, they were able to do what they do on a nightly basis, and we just don't have that scoring punch, right? And, and when it wasn't them, you brought up Melton. Melton did not miss. Like you said, he creamed our asses. That was a great way to put it, Pete, because I don't really know what that means, but he, he, he destroyed us. Like, like we, so those three guys go off and, and what do the nets do? Right. You look, you look at what the nets did. You're going to give me some stats in a bit. There was one guy with over 20 points. That was Lonnie Walker, who is becoming since Cam Thomas's injury, our most consistent and efficient score. I think I said this last week, everybody else was under 20. Mikhail Bridges had 18 uh, eight of 12 from the field, but barely shot the ball in that second half. He was non-existent. And then by the fourth quarter, the game was essentially over. So um, I just, what I'm trying to say is I don't think that we can get to that gear that the Sixers can get to, that the Celtics can get to, that the Bucks can get to given our current roster construction without Cam Thomas and without Ben Simmons. Absolutely. And then uh, as you said, a uh, couple, what am I trying to say here? I got my notes right in front of me. You have guys like CJ putting up three of 12 from the field, nine points. Dinwiddie, three of 10. He only scored 12 points. Not only, it's, it's so tough when you're playing a team like Philadelphia when we have all these guys out and then the guys that are in having bad games, it's just, it makes it impossible. I don't think Nets fans should be upset about a loss like this because games like this are going to happen, especially when the talent doesn't match up especially when we have injuries to two starters. Like our best scorer is out. Our best playmaker, I guess, I, if you consider Ben our best playmaker, is out. What's going to happen here? Yeah, who else would be considered our best playmaker if it wasn't Ben? I, I'm not sure. I guess you can make a – I don't want to say this. Excuse me Trendin? for my throat. <laughs> uh, I guess you can make Dinwiddie is a – I guess you can make an argument. I'm trying to be fair here. And say that Ben is better at playmaking, I guess. But uh, you can make an argument for Dinwiddie. Someone wrote, I think it was Doug Norrie. Shout out to Locked On Nets. They have they have a great Twitter. Uh, I think he wrote, "What number passer is Trendon Watford on this team?" And he might be the third best passer after He's Ben. He's up and there. Dinwiddie. He's up there. I don't think smart third. smart player. Look, th- there were a few bright mm. spots, you know, in this game and and in this uh, in this loss. Lonnie Walker, let's just stop for a second. Could we recognize how insane that dunk was that he had over almost the entire Sixers five? They were all in the vicinity. Three guys jumped. Pat Bev watched. He was the only one that didn't jump. So maybe four guys jumped. Lonnie Walker dunked on four heads at the same time. It, it was one of the most incredible in-game dunks through traffic I had ever seen in my life. And B jumped. I'm not going to get the other three guys on the floor right, but j- like 
to see that, to see this guy playing with such confidence, you know, this is his sixth year in the league. And he said he is playing with the most autonomy he's had in six years. And he's sort of unlocking different offensive elements of his game. Just, just an insane dunk. It got top play on sports center, Pete out of the top 10, number one on sports center, Shout out to Lonnie Walker, man. 26 points and probably the most impressive dunk we will see all year from the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, yeah. The guy's just in his zone, right? Have you ever seen a guy like this hot that came out of almost, I don't want to say almost nowhere because he did have a good run with the Lakers last year. But what a surprise. I, I got to start eating my, my I got to start taking some shit. I got to start taking some L's here. I was a little what? tough on him. Hmm? You were tough. No, I want to know yeah, why, why you want to take else. But he keeps on, he keeps on going off. Like I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. That when the guys, if you're hot, you're hot. The guy's hot. You got to give him the rock. I didn't even start him. See, that's that's what I'm thinking. So it's so fucked up, right? Because the NBA isn't based on who's playing well. It's based on who's getting paid. You gave Cam Johnson a lot of money. He has not been good in his return. No. He hasn't been awful, but he's had some really poor shooting performances. Mikael Bridges, you're not going to put him on the bench, but he hasn't been in- incredible. I mean, he, he barely really touched the ball in that second half against the Sixers. Again, you like to see a player like Mikael, who's supposed to be your one or your two, rise to the occasion in those matchups. And so far, he has not. Um, at some point, you got to give Lonnie Walker a start. If he's putting up 20 a game, if he's this efficient, because now what, what happens, Pete, is every time you start a game, you're going to go down 15 nothing, and you're going to have a you're going to have a tough time in the second quarter, and you're going to need that scoring punch more and more and more. And Lonnie comes in and he gives you that scoring punch. But who who do you take out though? Dinwiddie. But you need him to hold the rock, though. You need him to play make no. Yeah, again, that's I don't that's know, my tough. gut reaction. No, no, I, I understand what you're I saying. I understand you what you're saying. Like you're not gonna lineup. take out bridges, right? You're not gonna take out Klax for him. So who's a guard that you could take out? It would be Dinwiddie, but I, it's tough. It's a juggling act. So let me ask you this. Speaking of juggling, how long until you know so right now you can say Cam Johnson's rusty, right? Because he's had what two games yeah, yeah. since returning? Something Did he play like in the magic games? game? Three games? I think so. Um at what point are you able to say, yeah, he played in that Magic game? Are you able to kind of say, all right, it's been enough time. The rust is off if you're still shooting this poorly. And here's the other problem. My, my problem with Cam Johnson, I understand he's supposed to be a good three-point shooter. His shot selection is shit. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, I think he's more. it's more of finding his way. Everyone's kind of played together for a little bit, and he's kind of been thrown straight into it, and it's like, man, where do I go? That, that, that's where I kind of feel. I don't think it's been horrific. It's been bad, but not horrific. Does that make sense? I, I guess so. I just, I look at the way that Lonnie Walker and Trendon Watford, you know, I look at how they are able to take the ball inside aggressively and score. Cam Johnson should have that in his game. I look at how Mikhail Bridges hunts for that mid-range shot. Cam Johnson doesn't take a lot of mid-range he shots. And guess what? No, no. When he does, they go in. Cam Johnson's game is built around corner threes. That's that. That's I think maybe forty to sixty percent of his shots. I I got. I wish I had that in front of me. Were corner threes last year. That's what. That's his role. That's the guy. So if you want yeah. him to, to drive, you're you know you're asking too much. That's not his game. I, listen, I don't. I'm not. Maybe I'm not asking him to drive, but I'm asking him to be a little bit more efficient. Royce O'Neal's entire game. 
Royce O'Neal's entire game is, is three-pointers, pump faking, getting to his spots. Very rarely will you see Royce O'Neal take an uncharacteristic shot. And even when he's cold, most of his three-pointers are wide open. I just I don't like the contested threes that Cam takes. I think he can get to his spots in a more efficient manner. I'm, I'm just sort of, I don't know, I, I'm going to give him a few more games to like shave the rust off because I get it. He's coming back from, from a hamstring injury. That is rough. Uh, I just haven't been pleased with him since he's been back. All right. So think about this. He comes back from the injury. What's the first thing the coaching staff is probably going to tell him? Shoot. Shoot. You have to shoot to get the rust off. So maybe these aren't the best shots, but in his mind, he's hearing he's got to shoot. Obviously, he's an NBA player. He knows what shots to take and what not to take. But the point that I'm trying to say is that he's going to shoot. The guy's making a lot of money, like you said. He's coming off an injury. They want the rust to come off. He's going to shoot. And how long do you let him like go like this? I think you got to at least give him 10 games at most. You, you got, hamstrings are a bitch. I think that's fair. I also look at the whole Dorian Finney-Smith thing, how we all were like livid with him at the end of the year and the fact that he had a down shooting season with the Nets and he couldn't hit a three. And, you know, me, I, I was on him. And then this season he comes back and he's like, no, you guys recognize my game. This is what I did in Dallas. And he starts hitting threes and he starts going to the rack. Dorian Finney-Smith is to me has, has been such a nice surprise because I, I also think he's another guy like Royce. He gets to his spots. He doesn't play outside of his comfort zone, and he takes intelligent, smart shots mostly for him. And he's been hitting the three. But I don't want to put Cam Johnson in the same category as Dorian Finney-Smith. Cam Johnson's supposed to be a much better offensive player. He put up 20 points one game, right? I think he did yeah. one of the games. So you can see that it's there, but uh, it really hurts not having Cam, Cam Thomas in the lineup as well. Because I feel like that spacing just gets just a little bit better. And then you have Ben creating open looks for guys. Man, it would have been nice to see them three all together playing. Because when you have Ben and Cam out, all of a sudden the next focus goes to Bridges and CJ or Dinwiddie. Yeah. And you feel it. They feel it. Maybe the shot selection is a little bit better if you have more spacing. Who knows? I don't fucking know. No, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and he did have 20 in the Orlando game, which we will get to in a bit. Let's move on to this Miami Heat game. Uh, this was a play-in game, if I'm not not mistaken. 122-115, the Heat beat the Nets. Um, Lonnie this Walker. This was not an in-tournament game. This was not an in-tournament game. No, Wait, no, so who, Orlando game was. But we're 1-2 and two in the so – Yeah, wait, we lost to Boston. Record? Oh, we beat Boston Chicago, was... lost to Boston, beat Orlando. Okay, so we're 2-1. and one. I got you. That, for some reason, I thought Miami was. Okay, so not an in-season game, normal game, 122-115 Miami. Uh, the first person I want to blame for this loss is none other than Brian Lewis. Did you see that pregame shit with Spolstra? I did not. Oh, yeah, I did. I did, I did. You did, about yeah. The next consecutive wins over them? Yeah, that, Stupid. That, that, that's painful. Just, just no, no, not to ask that question, Brian Lewis, because what you did is you gave them motivation. You know, Coach Spo brought that back to Butler and Adebayo and those guys, and he said, "Hey, you guys, you guys know that they're 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 treating the Nets like they're our big brother all of a sudden, and we can't beat them. You guys want to, guys want to go out and show us what you can do." And and they absolutely just took care of business. Um, you know, I thought in that first game that we won, I didn't think that Butler was super dialed in. Mm -hmm. He was dialed in for this one. 36 oh, no. points, 
12 of 19 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He was phenomenal. Who else, who else played well in this game, Pete? Oh man. You know what? Can I tell you my play of the game first before, before I get into all that? Yes. Play of the game is going to be in the second quarter, three minutes, 40 seconds left. CJ picks up his fourth foul. (laughs) I don't know how that happens. The heat go on a 14 0 run. And in the third quarter, uh, Butler put up 18 of of his 36 points. I I felt like that was kind of like a breaking point. You had Kevin Love took a, I believe he took a charge on that. Can't use CJ. Third quarter, CJ gets like two or three minutes. And we we get, we get walloped. We get walloped. I don't know if you want to get into the stats, but I I thought, I thought that was a a painful moment. Yeah, that sucked. Um, And it's funny. I just ragged on CJ so much for that last game. He had a good game against Orlando. He actually statistically wasn't terrible in this game. Five of 10 from the field for 16 points. But in just 27 minutes, he picked up the the four fouls. Uh, That was tough. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, really bad shooting night. Six out of 15 from the field. Two of six from three. He did go nine of 10 from the line. He finished with 23 points. Lonnie Walker, nice game for him. Listen, Lonnie Walker played college ball at Miami. So when he comes to Miami, you know he's trying to put on a show. He had 23 points, tied with Bridges for the high man, 9 of 18 from the field in just 26 minutes for Lonnie Skywalker, the fourth. Um, Outside of those four guys, I mean, Claxton had 16, 7 of 7 from the field, but this this was a tough matchup for Claxton. Bam Adebayo, he's just bigger. He's just bigger than Clax. He's a little bit stronger. Uh, 20 points for Bam, 7 rebounds. He had that one dunk. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about where he just manhandled Claxton yeah. and, and threw it down over him. It's going to happen. Claxton's a great defender. He likes to he likes to contest. So, you know, you're, you're going to get yammed on every now and again. Um, but it was it was that that second half, really. I mean, Miami, look, they beat us in the first quarter by three. They beat us in the second quarter by five. Uh, that third quarter, they continued to just keep on building their lead. They beat us by four. And then in the fourth quarter, we were able to make it a little bit of a game, but we never, we never really got within striking yeah. distance. Um, we, we won that quarter by five. Uh, the one variable for Miami that showed up t- that night that did not show up for them in that first game, other than Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson had 26 points. Yeah, We just, we just couldn't six threes. We could not stop him from doing anything. It was in the three on the three point line. He got in, in the paint a few times. Um, you know, this team made the finals last year, Pete, like they're, they're a good basketball team when they want to be. And they showed that, uh, you know, against the nets. Yeah. You know, just another game that the talent kind of adds up and listen, going into this game, they had six in a row that six wins in a row. This was their seventh. They're at that time, maybe even now I haven't checked up on them, but they're hot. They're on fire. Didn't they start like one and four, and now they can't lose? Yeah, I think I think we were their seventh straight win or, or eighth yeah. straight win or something. Um, and let, you know, I got one more point. One more point about yeah. this: you Go can't on. be upset when the Nets put up thirty plus points in three out of the four quarters. You can't be mad at the offense. Obviously, you don't want to give up 100, 122 points, but missing a couple guys—that's that's the difference. I feel like this is the game that Ben was really missed. You really could have used Ben at some point. That's my point. <laughs> I think you can use Ben in all these losses. Uh, he's just so, you know, he's so important to this team with what they do, with how Mikhail and Cam get open. And I love Spence, but he has not been consistently 
creating for guys when Simmons is out. He Now you're starting to see him struggle. When should he look for his shot? When should he look for his pass? If, he's, if he doesn't shoot enough, and listen, I, I'll give Dinwiddie a little bit of slack here. I think in a weird way, he becomes the most criticized guy on the roster. Because if he's shooting, you know, if, if he's shooting every time he brings the ball down, oh, he's shooting too much. I heard Ian Eagles say something in that first quarter against Philly. Uh, Dinwiddie's taken a lot of contested twos in this quarter, um, or maybe it was Miami. And then, you know, on the, on the other side, if he doesn't shoot enough, if he's super passive, everyone gives him shit anyway. So I, I do kind of get it. it is very hard for him to be consistent and figure out how, you know, who he has to be night in and night out for this Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah, it's uh, man, it's tough when you support a player like a lot, a lot, like I have, and then he goes on a streak like this. It sucks, but um, I don't know. I just feel like this team is out of whack with all the injuries. When you lose two starters on any team, you're gonna see some issues arise, and this is it. He went from Spencer Dinwiddie went from being what? What do you gotta say? Go ahead. I was about to say that was such a great way to like not blame Dinwiddie. It was like, yeah, well, you have two two starters out. Like you're you're giving the the coach Dinwiddie, answer. I, I'm I on the company it. line here, okay? On the company line, but uh, but yeah, he's got to shoot better. He's got to shoot better. He's got to pass better. That's that's it. He's good at eliminating turnovers. I saw a lot of people saying, "Wow, he's doing some good lobs." Guy's been good with lobs since last year. It, look at the analytics, but uh. This team is not going to win if Spencer Dinwiddie is is leading them in shots every game. They need help from CJ. They need help from Bridges. That's that, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm just you know I'm just their their starting lineup. I'm trying to think how they can change it up to add Lonnie Walker. But even if you add Lonnie Walker, Lon, and Lonnie said the other night he goes, I got to learn to create for my teammates a little bit, which I thought was interesting because yeah, he's very low assist. best scorer. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but that's yeah. the issue. Eventually, people are going to just start honing in on. I can't talk right. Like people like, start I don't know. On him. I don't know if Alani Walker Dinwiddie backcourt makes sense with like Bridges and Cam Johnson. I don't I, think I so. Don't I don't think it does. Not at all. To, to add a little fuel to the fire, I just wanted to announce this: Jalen Brunson was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week for Week Four. He averaged twenty-eight point five points per game and six point five assists. Shot 54% from three and led the Knicks to a 3-1 record. That's tough. That's tough. You care about that shit? Uh, I'd like to think that we have, you know, some of the best players in New York. None of our players have won player of the week. Yeah, I do care about that shit. They get player of the week, we get rings, okay? We we don't have a (laughs) ring yet. Um, The one... The one thing I wanted to say about the Miami game before we move on, sometimes what I'll do, you know, when I watch games and I try to watch them live, but you know, I'm an adult. I have responsibilities. Uh, so I DVR every Nets game and I'll watch like 30, 40 minutes after it starts. So you, that's not true. That's exaggerating. Usually I'll watch like 10, 15 minutes after it starts. So when the first quarter ends, I usually have like six, seven minutes left in the first quarter. Okay. Um, and I get updates on my phone from the yes app. Oh, so no, that's right. I try very hard not to look at them, but like I'm only human and I see, you know, I also get Twitter notifications from certain accounts that I like to keep up to date. One of them is Nets Daily. Shout out to a former guest of the pod. Um, so one of one of their one of Nets Daily's tweets, you know, in like the third quarter, as I'm behind, 
was like really missing Cam Thomas right now. Oh. And when I read that t- tweet, I kind of knew we were fucked for the night. That's why I take. I don't do any Twitter tweets or anything sent to my phone, any notifications. Because when I'm watching the game, I don't want anyone calling me. I don't want anyone talking to me. Unless you're like on the exact second that I'm at, I don't want to hear from you. You're going to get ignored. You're going to be put on. I'm putting my phone on sleep mode, and that's it. Are you telling me not to text you during games if I'm watching? You can do it. You're okay. I'm the exception. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, kind of, a little bit. All right. I, I don't want to be too down on this podcast. Let's let you know, because I, I said that the Nets have been losing to teams like the Celtics, the Bucks, the Heat, <sighs> the, uh, the the Sixers, teams that they should be losing to. But they have been beating teams that they should be beating. So they played the Magic on Tuesday. This this game was a, a while ago, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but this might have been the most complete game, Pete, the Nets have played all season. Despite not having Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons, it just felt like everyone showed up for this game. Dinwiddie was best game of the season for Dinwiddie. 29 points, 9 assists, 10 of 18 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3. He was 4 of 6 from the line. Really strong performances from him. He was a team high, plus 25 for the game. Mikhail Bridges chipped in 21 points. Cam Johnson had 20. This was a solid game for Cam Johnson, 7 of 11 from the field. You like those those numbers in terms of his field goal efficiency. Um, and then off the bench, you had Royce O'Neal with 13, Dayron Sharp with 11 points and 10 rebounds, and Lonnie Walker, the fourth, didn't need to do too much in this game, but stayed in double figures with 11 points for him. Uh, the Nets shot the ball, Pete, 54% from the field, 48.7% from three, and really did a good job of closing out Orlando in that fourth quarter, 36-18. to 18. So what did you like in this game? What did you like from uh, from our guys in, in Brooklyn to really play the most complete game of the season? I think you kind of nailed a couple parts, the parts about uh, the stuff that I like. CJ was great. He put up, what, 21, uh, 20 points. Bridges, 21 points. You said Dinwiddie at 29. But also we had guys like O'Neal putting up 13 points. Sharp put up 11 points. Walker put up 11 points. It's nice to see it kind of spread around. So you don't have to worry about one guy per se. And like you said, it was a good, I don't, I don't know much what much to say when you blow out a team by 20 points. You know, it's a good game. There's a team that we had to win and probably we're supposed to win, right? Even with Ben and Cam out, I think you have to beat this Orlando team. No? Like, is this kind of gimme game? Uh, Listen, I don't think, I mean, Orlando was five and five, and five after this game. Uh, I think Bancaro is going to be a bona fide star. I I see him being as good as Carmelo and KD, like on that level. You what? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. That's just that's just what I see for him. I think he's going to take that next step in the next year or so. Uh, Wagner's a good player. I like Jalen Suggs' game. You know, Mo Wagner comes in. He gives them good minutes. Cole Anthony had a well. Cole Anthony shot the ball horribly in this game, but uh, ten points off the bench. They got they got some guys. You, you know, they got uh, mm-hmm. Joe Ingles as a vet off the bench. And um, I don't think they're as bad as, say, like a Washington or a Detroit. Um, but, yeah, the, the Nets should beat this team. Um, I just wanted to ask you, so you watch this game, correct? Yeah, yeah. When Dinwiddie is hitting some of those shots that he was hitting, how happy are you to see that? Because you are the number one Spencer Dinwiddie fan that I know. I'm screaming. The neighbors know. Everybody knows. 
everyone else in, in a block radius knows. I'm hyped. I'm getting hyped when, when a guy goes off like that. It Really, it could be any net that, that kind of goes off. But when it's Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, I'm a little bit more happy because of all the shit people give me for, for getting his back. Here, here's what I love, Pete. So he goes 10 of 18 with 29, nine assists. Like five that rebounds. for me, you're, five rebounds. You're looking for balance mm-hmm. in your game. That is it. That is it. But I get, I get it. 10 of 18 is not the norm for him. Six no. of 18, seven of 18. Any, like less than 50% is the norm for him, which kind of devalues him as a point guard. I hate to say it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I have faith. All right. So the Nets finished the week one and two. Um, our next game, Pete, I'm going to pull up the schedule right now. Our next game is against the Hawks. And that is on Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Winnable game. Oh, absolutely. Although, what, what, uh, what do we got after the Hawks? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, I do. So after the Hawks, it's Miami on Saturday, oh Chicago on Sunday, Toronto on Tuesday, and then Charlotte a week after Thanksgiving. So in those five games, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte, Four of them are at home. The only one on the road is Atlanta. What do you think we should go? Two and three with the injuries. Say two and three. I would be very uh, – keep in mind, Tuesday is an in-season tournament game, the Toronto game okay. in Brooklyn. So that's that's an important game if you care about the in-season tournament. I'd love to win that game, and I definitely feel like we should win one of the Bulls-Hawks games. Uh, Bulls, I'm sorry, Bulls-Hornets games. Heat game, I might just chalk off to a loss. Hawks, I feel like, are just going to give us trouble. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I see us going. Okay, so Hawks is a loss. Heat is a loss. Chicago's a win. Toronto is a win. And then Charlotte is that game where we, we beat them, uh, you know, third game into the season in October. That was our first win. We actually crushed them. That was the only other blowout win we had. Mm-hmm. So do we do it again? I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we do beat Charlotte. We we go three and two in the stretch. I say two and three. So we'll close, close one game difference. Um, I did want to end it on, on a little bit of a, you know, a fun, fun segment. That Lonnie Walker dunk, it brought up memories, right? You know, there haven't been a ton of posterizations from Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets over the years, but we definitely have a few. Uh, so, so some that come to mind, one of my favorite dunks was the Gerald green between his legs on the fast break dunk. One of the coolest in-game dunks I've ever seen. Um, Vince Carter, take your pick for, for which dunk you, the dunk over Alonzo morning, the behind the head, uh, dunk to win the game. And then just like every other dunk in between from VC, he, he had some electric highlights here. Uh, and this isn't a net. But for some reason, I always like respected Kobe Bryant's dunk over Gerald Wallace. Oh no, that was a horror! I hated that dunk. Why? Because Why, Kobe sir? is one Why? of the greatest to ever do it, and that was like one of the last years of his career. Probably like 2000. What, what year was Wallace on the team? 2013, 2012. That was 2012. 2012. Um, and I, I just remember watching that, and thinking like, oh, I, I'm someone who I love greatness. I, I, I respect greatness. You know, when Luca hit that shot against us earlier in the year, like I hated it as a fan, but as a basketball aficionado, you just, you respect that. And Gerald Wallace isn't, you know, he's not a pussy for all intensive purposes. No. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy in the league. 
It was and a good Kobe, defender. Really good defender. And for Kobe to just yam on him later in his career, I just I was I, I thought that was such a cool moment. And that happened at Barclays Center too. Correct, it did. With a lot of Lakers fans in in the audience. So th- those are my the three I remember: the Gerald Green, a bunch of VC dunks, and then Kobe's dunk. What about you? I got one in particular that that really sticks out to me, and this is going to be insanely random, but whatever. Here it is: this is the first playoff game at the Barclays Center, Nets Bulls. Darren Williams gets a breakaway dunk, and he throws it behind his head, and the Barclays Center explodes. I think it was probably the Definitely the loudest I've ever heard it. And I've been to a couple games where Kyrie put up the 50 points in his first game as a net. I've been to a couple games. I go to a lot of games every year. And I don't know. I just felt like that was such a christening moment of the Nets moving to Brooklyn. I, I remember that. That was a sick dunk. Um, you know, you brought up Kyrie. I just thought of the Kyrie dunk. Oh, you no, to I don't want to see oh. Watanabe. Look, I, hate, I, I, I don't like Kyrie as a person because I disagree with a few of his values and, and his morals and what he talks about. But as a basketball player, it's hard for me to hate on him because he's ridiculous. That dunk came out of nowhere. That That's the oh, shit that like Dennis Smith Jr. is known for, is a dunk like that. Kyrie mm-hmm. did that on a random, in a random game. And, you know, that was, that was just sick. I, I had, I had to love that. Um, I can't, I, off the, I mean, I'm missing a lot of Richard Jefferson dunks. But my problem is when I think of Richard Jefferson, the one dunk that comes to mind is him posterizing Clay Thompson in that Christmas game. Or was it the finals? One or the other. I, I don't I remember. remember, man. But he, he, so when he was in Cleveland, he posterized Clay Thompson on a dunk or two. Um, and I, I, I don't remember if it was Christmas or finals, but uh, it was one of those games. Anyway, fun memories. There's, I know there's a bunch of people like, or, or players that used to dunk a lot that were missing, but. Those are the ones that Pete and I remember. You got it. I'm good. I'm dunked out. All right. All right. That does it. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete. Pete, any final words for our listeners? Anything you want to plug? Sure, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at NetFans. You know, check out the YouTube, at NetFans. You know, I'm going to be throwing up an episode this week. And uh, that's it, man. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. There are... There are going to be, you know, brighter days in our future. I, I truly feel that. I just think right now, as Pete said, with, without our stars, we're just in a rut and we're, we're going to have to accept some defeats, but you lose a few battles in order to win the war. And the war is far from over. Shout out Brooklyn. Shout out Nets. Shout out to Barclays Center. Shout out to all the people who follow and listen to us on Nets Twitter out there in the Nets universe. We love you. And uh, happy Thanksgiving.